the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello, I'm Eleanor Johnson and welcome to Raising the Bar. We're in Gray's Inn and today we're chatting about tips for senior scholarship applications. We're with Ruby Shrimpton, who is a senior scholar herself. She's in her second six as a pupil at Three Raymond Buildings, which uh, practices in criminal and public law. And she's going to tell us all about her approach to the senior scholarships. So thank you for joining us. Ah, thank you for having me. Um, my approach sounds a bit grand, I think. I'm not, <laughs> sure whether, I'm not sure whether I have a method, but I can certainly tell you um, my experience of going through the process and encourage everyone listening to, to consider going through it themselves. So uh, I guess the basics, first of all, what is a senior scholarship? Well, there are four of them. Uh, Lord Reed, which is the scholarship that I won, uh, Lord Atkin, Mould, I think that's pronounced, and Arden. And you don't apply for them individually, so it's four awards, but same process. And they are merit-based scholarships, uh, five grand each. And they are supposed to be markers of real achievement, which sounds awful saying as someone who managed to win one. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, so they are uh, like, I suppose, the GDL and BPTC scholarships, but they're not means tested and they are, you know, you don't have to sign any contract about how you're going to pursue life at the bar. It's really just sort of a, uh, a recognition that you're on the right track, I suppose. And the sort of gravity of that recognition, mm. I know you're looking a little bit embarrassed, but <laughs> as a senior scholar yourself... Um, but they're conferred by the treasurer, aren't they, at the people trial exercise? So yeah. it's, a, it's a really impressive thing to have. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a really nice thing um, to to have, uh, have have achieved. And you do get a really nice, or, or we did in my year, uh, letter. So I had it from the current tre- treasurer, William Clegg, and he... Um, he wrote us a sort of nice note about previous winners, so Lord Panic, Dinah Rose, oh, wow. QC. Yes. So you feel you're in, you know, Good illustrious company. company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's really nice. And and again, I think it's another way in which Grace sort of sort of encourages this sense of community beyond mm-hmm. the people that you're just sort of on the BPTC with or maybe doing the pupil course with, but you have this kind of link to you know, generations of lawyers. It's, you know, it is a nice thing. Mm. And you have to have started your pupillage before you apply, don't you? Yes. So you apply around this time, November. Uh, I think I think you've got a couple of months um, to make the application. It's not a particularly lengthy one. And if you've gone through the application process for the GDL scholarships or the same with the BPTC ones, then it will be very familiar. Uh, the difference is, of course, that you've got to get your uh, reference from a people supervisor. I think potentially also your head of chambers, but I can't imagine anyone's going to go to the head of chambers rather than their <laughs> supervisor. Um, so yeah, you're already doing it, but you won't have, as I say, uh, progressed that far into your pupillage um, because you know most people tend to start September, October, and the latest you can apply, I think, is December, January. So you know you're going to have to try and get some good work in early, so that people can write you a reference. So you won't necessarily know your pupil supervisor that well, but I no. guess don't let that put you off because everybody's in the same position, surely. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that you don't get one, and they're not going to get an email from the inn saying 
your people's not exceptional and <laughs> I can't believe you wrote this reference. They're just not going to hear anything mm -hmm. and they'll forget, quite frankly, because, um, you know, they're supervising you essentially out of the goodness of their heart, but they're very, very busy and they just won't remember. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that as being, you know, the worst case scenario, hopefully that's not bad enough to put you off trying. So it's worth a go. Yeah, I mean, it's worth a go because uh, if you're anything like me, um, you'll forget that you have to save for tax. <laughs> and, um, and that can be tricky, especially if you are, um, you know, a, a cr crime or another sort of um, uh, more publicly funded focused set. Uh, and of course, as I say as well, it's, it's worth having a go because you might, you might get one and then you're, um, you know, you're part of something that feels kind of special, I suppose. Um, the other thing I would say is if you are a publicly funded uh, set or where your chambers does a lot of that work, you can also apply uh, for the Anne Goddard scholarships, which aren't me which are means tested. Sorry, so they're not just merit they're merit based in the first in instance, and then they consider your means, how much of award you're getting, what your outgoings are, and so on. Um, and you're actually not precluded from applying for both, but of course that will lower the amount that you might get under the means-tested award. So it's worth considering doing that as well. So don't let the fact you're applying for one put you off applying for the other. Yeah, I mean, if, if with the proviso that you're at a set that's doing that kind of work, mm. traditionally, I think, well, this was certainly my impression when I was thinking about applying, the senior scholarships are... Uh, seen as awards for people at kind of commercial sets or you know Blackstones that kinds of things because it's you know you think of it as being uh, there's a particular focus on academic achievement mm. so you think of it really as being sort of for the brainy brainiest uh, and certainly that was something that made me really consider not applying um, and just applying instead for the publicly funded legal aid one um, but actually you needn't think like that and I think I certainly was lucky enough to get both and I know that another one of the senior scholars is at a set doing predominantly legal aid work. Mm. So, yeah, you can do both. And what sort of qualities do you think the interviewers are looking for? <laughs> Again, it's very embarrassing to sort of uh, align myself with, with these kinds of qualities, but I understand that what they're looking for are um, uh, intellectual ability, so academics, as I say, uh, motivation to succeed at the bar, which is the same quality that pervades all the scholarship applications um, at every level through the inn. So that might manifest in mooting or, or I don't know, writing a journal, article, something like that, um, being a self-starter. Potential as an advocate at the bar, that is tested by the uh, Viva Voce examination which is essentially just a bit of a fancier version of the interview questions you get at the GDL or BBTC level. Um, and then personal qualities, so not being intensely dislikable, I suppose. Yeah, Always a good tip. <laughs> yeah, that is a good tip for all interviews. If you can avoid being intensely dislikable, it's a good start. Always a good way to go. Uh, so you've mentioned the Viva Voce. That's part of the application process, isn't it? So yeah. there's a... Paper sift initially yeah. for your application. Uh, what was your approach to preparing for the paper sift and then ultimately writing your application? So the 
Paper application, as I say, is not unfamiliar if you've done any of the scholarship processes before. And, you know, that's true not just at the inn, but also if you've done scholarship applications at your law school um, or whatever, uh, very similar. So, you know, there's a section on what you want to do, your qualities as an advocate. Um, I think there's also a section about how you have been involved or wish to be involved in the life of the inn, mm. which is always a central part of how Greys chooses to allocate funds, which I think is is fair and part of their community mindedness. Um, so really, it may be, to be honest, that you've already written that two or three times and it's just a question of updating it or thinking about it, um, you know, how you've progressed over the, the last few years. Um, so I don't know if I had any sort of particular approach to that. I think I looked back over my pupillage applications. I looked back at my scholarship applications and I tried to update them. So no sort of big earthquake. Um, and then I thought about references. So the one thing I did change from my BPTC scholarship application was I had a referee from my law school, bar school, mm -hmm. rather than from my undergrad, because they were in a better position to say, you know, Ruby is doing this or that in her development as a barrister, which is not something that my undergrad history supervisor could comment on mm. with any sincerity. So that would be one thing I, I might encourage people to do is to update their references. So you think about who's really seen you in action with regard to yeah. uh, sort of yeah. advocacy. Yeah, yeah. And if you, know, if you don't feel that you've made a connection with the, a BBTC tutor, um, then maybe someone on the GDL potentially uh, or from your law undergrad, if mm. that applies to you. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, we actually, in the last podcast, were talking about paper applications mm. and how it's an example of your written advocacy. Yeah. And uh, our guest Gemma said that she handed her paper applications to other people to read and how valuable it was to get somebody else's feedback on it. Did you find the same thing? Uh, I did. Do you mean with my own pupillage applications or, or with this? With this application, with, no, this with application. applications in general. Uh, I, think I, I think I probably will have done. I can't recall it um, doing so last year, but I almost certainly will have done because uh, like, like Gemma, I did that with my pupillage applications and I do think it is invaluable partly even just you know from a purely administrative perspective people will spot typos that you just cannot see mm. um, and those little things you know may not make a huge difference but they they can mm. especially if you know whoever's reading it is not in a particularly generous mood which happens sometimes you've got to think about that kind of thing um, and also people sometimes will encourage you to be less bashful about the way that you express your achievements. Lots of people struggle with that um, and the bar in particular can encourage it um, because you're surrounded by people who seem uh, unspeakably impressive and intimidating and that can make it, it can make your own achievements feel embarrassing to write mm. down as achievements but they are um, and I think having other people say why haven't you included this or why have you made this sound as if it was two days work when it wasn't, mm. um, can be a really helpful influence as well. So now is not the time to be modest. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, no one likes blowing their own trumpet. They really no. don't. But you do have to do it. And not just, you know, to get these kinds of awards, but also in practice, you are a one-man band. Mm. You know, you can rely on your chamber's reputation, hopefully, 
Um, but, you know, A, maybe you can't in some situa- situations, especially if you're trying to get into an area of practice that they don't necessarily have as much of a foothold in. Mm. Um, you're going to have to get used to selling yourself a bit as uncomfortable as it is. So It's very possible to sell yourself without being, as you said earlier, an intensely dislikable person. Exactly. <laughs> there is a way to say I've done this and, you know, to say I think that means that I have this skill. In fact, don't say I think that means you can be slightly more assertive than that um, without being kind of really obnoxious and as if, you know, I mean, don't say I'm the next Lord Paddock or I'm the next Dinah Rose QC, you, but you can say, you know, I've done this and I think that means that I have potential as an advocate or whatever. Yeah. You don't get points for modesty is what I'm saying. And you can, exactly as you said, um, sell yourself without being, you know, awful about it. And you mentioned as well the Viva Voce examination. Mm. How did that go or what's the process for that? So you um, you basically rock up exactly as you did to your GDL or BPTC scholarship interview if you had one and uh, you are given a little slip of paper so you don't have to prepare anything or certainly I didn't when I applied in advance of the interview itself. And you get a little slip of paper and you've got 15 minutes, I think, or thereabouts to prepare it. And I'm sure I can say, and if, you know, they can block it out if not, um, that in my year, the question was something like, um, uh, are judges best placed to uh, dictate or interpret what's in the public interest? Right. And you basically had to argue yes or no. So that's very familiar. It's exactly like the kind of thing you might have received at a pupillage interview or, again, at scholarship interviews from before. Um, And my advice for that is to try not to be boring. Everyone will know, and, you know, if you're at an interview, you will have um, a grasp of this, that you should try and present a structured argument, you know, that you should try and make clear points backed by evidence or at least, you know, even if it's anecdotal, no one expects you to be a bank of, of statistics, but just try to be interesting. Um, I felt that given the context at the time, um, there was a lot of sort of enemies of the people shtick going on in the papers, that the answer was potentially no, because, you know, these things are political, so on and so forth, and judges are just about interpreting, not about dictating or whatever, um, but actually, I just sort of said unambiguously yes, and then presented a kind of um, almost dramatically one-sided version of it. And I did that just because I was trying to express something that maybe wasn't the same as what they had heard from the previous three candidates. I'm not doing such a good job of recalling it now, but but that was my basic approach to it. And that might not work for everyone, um, but I was just trying to say something interesting rather than you know, being accurate or being as nuanced as possible because you only really have a few minutes to, as I say, sort of sell yourself as an advocate and you want to be memorable, I think, for the right reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of preparing for it, I don't suppose that you, you can. You can't sort of anticipate the topics. You can just sort of read the news, Keep up think to about date. things. Yeah. yeah, but don't, you know, you can't go out of your way. And probably if you're yeah. doing people as you'll be doing that anyway. Mm. Yeah. 
So be be memorable again without yeah, be being memorable. intensely dislikable. It's, yeah, it's a great yeah, tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's really hard to give advice about this kind of stuff because, you know, a lot of it is kind of meaningless. You know, you want to be yourself. You want to be memorable. You want to not be intensely dislikable, and <laughs> that's quite hard to translate into how-to tips. I think it really boils down to you should trust yourself and your own judgment, and you shouldn't be thinking, oh well. I heard, you know, this person on this podcast one time mm. saying that you should do this or you should do that. And so I'm going to just do it. Mm. If that's not your instinct, you know, really, it just boils down to trust your own ability. I think that's incredibly useful advice, because especially when you're applying for a scholarship or pupillage or whatever it might be, it's very easy to look at people who have already succeeded in it and think, right, I've got to copy exactly yeah, what they're exactly. doing. So yeah. I think, yeah, definitely what you're saying is is a lot more useful, I think, than very, very niche specific tips, which might work for one person, but yeah. not for another. It's be yourself, uh, show off your achievements. and Don't go be dislikable. Yeah, yeah <laughs> go for it. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned that applications are open around now. They're opened in November and they close in January next year. What should applicants be doing now to prepare? Well, so if you think about it, if you've got till January, you don't get brownie points for getting in early. Uh, if you're the kind of person that needs to to have peace of mind, then then that's fine. I'm not one of you. I wish I were. Um, but you've still got a bit of time. And so if you're looking at your application and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I've quite got enough at the minute... Um, you're probably wrong because, as I say, people tend to underestimate their own achievements. But if you think, you know, I could I could have something more. For instance, um, you didn't really do any mooting. You managed to coast into pupillage without it. Impressive. Well done. Um, but you might want to think about that because some some competitions are no doubt open to pupils. Or you might want to think of other ways you could show your ability as an advocate. Um, and there are loads of ways to do that lots of voluntary opportunities certainly you can take free cases as a pupil if you've got time and you you may well do in your first six not everyone is completely swamped um, or writing competitions there are a million essay competitions um, and they're not all you know really famous and known about like the the bar um, council essay competition if you do a little bit of research there's a uh, an extradition competition that kind of thing that maybe um, you might want to have a go at. You can be strengthening your application, basically, and also subtly sucking up to your supervisor, which I'm sure <laughs> you're doing already because that's just good pupiling. Just so they, they know you're the exceptional candidate. And, oh, yeah, exactly. Without, again, being obsequious or intensely dislikable. <laughs> it's a fine line, but you've got to tread it. <laughs> and one that I'm sure people can manage to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. That was really oh, useful. Thanks for having me again, yeah. And thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at RaisingTheBarGI.